It's Radiothon time again at 3CR. This year marks 40 years of Radical Radio at 3CR and we're asking you to keep us on air for another 40 years by donating your money to 3CR's Radical Radiothon. June the 6th to the 19th, call us on 03 9419 8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. Enjoy your podcast. Asia-Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia-Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 2nd of July. It's two minutes past nine o'clock. Hopefully you've all voted or exercised that uh, democratic right that we have to elect a bunch of shitheads in in Parliament. Uh, And you're settling in for a day of listening to 3CR Broadcasting. You are listening to Asia Pacific Currents. I am Giselle Hanna. And I'm Pierre Morrow. You're so... um, Cynical? uh, Cynical, but at least people now are hearing some real uh, news and some uh, some uh, real um, uh, politics in this show, which is, of course is brought to you, Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links, and you can go to our website, oldwawl.org.au, on our Facebook page and Twitter. And on today's program, we've um, got the usual um, uh, news roundup, and we've got an interview that will probably go on about um, 13 past 9 o'clock with Farid Patovi, who's a spokesperson of the International Alliance in Support of Workers in Iran. And um, listeners, I have to also stress that um, after the interview, uh, keep uh, your ears tuned because we will actually um, have a very important update from this interview. This interview was done two days ago, but there's been an update since then. Um, but before we get to the news roundup, a very important announcement, Giselle. Oh, is this Radiothon? Oh, thank you. You. Yes, Pierre didn't tell me what the announcement was. Um, don't forget Radiothon, we're still trying to um, get 3CR across the board over the line for our target this year. And our target this year, correct me if I'm wrong, was $220,000. Um, Asia Pacific Currents had a target of 1500 We haven't quite met that target, so please do um, go to our website, 3cr.org.au, um, and pledge some money and donate towards 3CR to keep independent left-wing radical voices on air. That's right, that's right. And uh, all right, we'll go to the news roundup. Uh, the first uh, item goes in Bangladesh, where the last few weeks have been murderous for workers employed at the shipbreaking yards in the region of Chittagong in Bangladesh. According to reports, in a series of incidents, five workers were killed while five others were seriously injured. What these latest tragedies show is that safe workplaces remain a distant goal for Bangladeshi workers. Unfortunately, in a situation where independent labour organising is repressed, death and injuries remain common, as we've brought to you um, other incidents in the past. Uh, And moving now to South Korea, some 64 industrial global union affiliates from all regions of the world have sent protest letters to the president of South Korea condemning the criminal charges brought against the leader of the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions, Han Sung-kyun. 
Um, uh, Sung Kyun, who is due to be sentenced on the 4th of July, is facing an eight-year prison sentence recommended by the state prosecutor. He's been indicted for charges related to his participation in a number of rallies against anti-worker labour law reforms. And listeners will recall South Korea is currently um, attempting a uh, Howard and Abbott work choices kind of a regime across the country. So that's what all of these protests have been about. Um, the laws include the obstruction of public duty, destruction of public goods. Sorry, the charges against him include obstruction of public duty, destruction of public goods, obstruction of traffic and hosting an assembly at a banned location. In March this year, Industrial led an international trade union delegation to South Korea in solidarity with unions in the country whose leaders have been imprisoned, officers invaded and rights to freedom of assembly association and expression have been under attack. And of course, let's not forget the massive demonstrations we saw in December 2014. Um, against rail privatisation that saw 6,000 police officers encircle the KCTU building. That's right, that's right. So certainly um, one to watch. And now we go to very much closer to home um, for the electrical um, trades um, union workers, where, as we've brought to you before, there are 55 um, workers at Carlton United Breweries where um, are fighting for their jobs. What's um, happened was that they were a few weeks ago they were called for a meeting and told their job were terminated they were then invited to reapply for the jobs with a company called Catalyst Recruitment which a labour hire um, company with a massive 65% cut to their pay Unfortunately, this is a tactic that is used all around the world um, in to increase precariousness of work and also to decrease um, the wages and conditions of people. So there is going to be a barbecue for these workers this Monday at 4th, um, the 4th of July outside the uh, CUB uh, plant in Abbotsford. So um, get there and support these workers. There's also a GoFundMe um, campaign to raise money for those workers. Workers. They have lost their jobs in the middle of winter. Um, many of them are apprentices or people that have worked for CUB for uh, 20 years or more. So um, support those workers and definitely if you're there on Monday, we're probably going to see you there. That's right. And I think, I haven't got the, uh, the details, but that we'll put them up on our <coughs> website. There is actually a rally on Tuesday as well outside the offices of the CUB. Moving now to Turkey and, again, um, another international solidarity campaign by Industrial, the Global Union Federation. This is their uh, solidarity statement with the um, airport workers of Turkey. They write, another massacre through suicide bombers with guns happened on the 28th of June in Turkey. This time, the target was Ataturk Airport in Istanbul, one of the leading hubs. So far, 41 innocent people have been killed, while 239 are reported to be injured. Within a year, 294 people have been killed in 17 bomb attacks in Turkey. It's more than enough. Industrial Global Union condemns this barbarous slaughter in Istanbul. We mourn for all who lost their lives and extend our condolences to our affiliates and the people of Turkey. This needs to come to an end. The international community must wage a much greater effort for genuine peace in the world, particularly in the Middle East, where millions of people have lost their lives and are still faced with such tragedies every day. Terrorism is now a global phenomenon and needs to be defeated.
Industrial Global Union reiterates its fundamental mission to stand for democracy, peace, equality, human rights, unity and solidarity. We join the Turkish unions when they say we are sad, indignant, mourning, insurgent, but we will not fear, we will not give up, we will not forget. Um, thanks for that, uh, Giselle. Very important. And, and of course, part of the problem around that region is that the working class is so weak and um, we really haven't got our sides that are strong enough to influence some of, of these events. And the military government of Turkey. That, that's right. That's right. Uh, but that's possibly for another show. Uh, we'll go to the, our last um, item, which again, um, I presume this is don't You don't have number six, I, I think. Good, good. Um, my numbering is correct this this time. Sorry, listen, I have made mistakes before. We, uh, we do occasionally forgive his mistakes. He is old, listeners. That's right. Um, wise, I would say. But anyway, we go again uh, to a very local news item where the Darabin Ethnic Communities Council extends an invitation to, um, to the public unveiling of the Darabin Community Monument in honour of all the victims of genocide and atrocity crimes. Uh, The monument will permanently mark the United Nations Conventions on Genocide and um, according to the knowledge of the organisers, it will be the first in the world to acknowledge this universal declaration. It shall provide a solemn place to reflect on all victims, remind us of our common humanity and strengthen our resolve to present such crimes of genocide. So it's Sunday the 17th of July uh, between 3 and 5 p.m. at the Darabin Arts Entertainment Centre, corner of Bell and St. Bell Street and St. George's Road. So um, I think this will be a very important uh, monument and certainly just to remind listeners that uh, the great majority of victims of uh, any genocide are actually working class people, their families and their communities. It's just on 10 past 9 o'clock. We'll go to a couple of announcements and then we'll be back with our interview on the Iranian workers' movement. Wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au or call us with your credit card details on 94198377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to PO Box 1277 Collingwood 3066 and be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. It's just on 11 past 9 o'clock here on Asia Pacific Current on 3CR Radio, your favourite community radio show. And that's right. Remember to, if you haven't paid up your radio some donation, please do so. If you haven't paid, if you haven't pledged yet or even paid, you can still do it as well. We're very happy to accept. This is a self-funded station. So we do, if you like what you hear, we do need your support. 
A couple of days ago, I was um, very pleased to be able to talk to Farid Patovi, who is a spokesperson for the International Alliance in support of workers in Iran, about the situation of workers in Iran, but also a bit of analysis of some of the struggles that they um, are carrying out and some of the dynamics within that country. And as I mentioned um, before, um, right at the start of the the programme, please stay tune because at the end of the interview um, I'll be able to bring an update on some of the issues that we um, that we talked about on this interview. Can you give the listeners an update of the unionization rate in Iran and how easy or hard it is for workers to form their own independent unions? Iran is a huge country with 80 million population the majority are working class and working people. A majority are living under the poverty line. 90% of workers are temporary contract and millions and millions of unemployed. No independent uh, unionization or independent labor organization is uh, legally tolerated and they are banned. The first two, three years after 1979 revolution, we, we saw mass unionization, uh, what we call labor councils or workers' councils, all different forms of uh, workers' committees and workers' organizing. But all of them in the early 80s, around 82, 83, 84, around that time got bloody repressed and crushed. Since then, all the unionizations have been banned. They have only a couple of government-sponsored organizations, such as Islamic Labor Councils, which are absolutely part of the government. The only independent organization that we formed in the past 10 years, where the first one was the Syndicate of Workers of Tehran and Suburbs Bus, Bus Company, which is, um, is the largest uh, bus company, uh, public bus company in, in Iran that organized to form in general assemblies. And as you know, and, and your listeners know, they've been repressed since then on a daily basis. And then there is also half the sugar cane workers who organize themselves. And also they've been repressed on an ongoing basis since then. We also have uh, a number of uh, workers committees or active, labor activist committees to help form independent organization or, or, or help organize uh, for workers' rights around minimum wage or right to organize, right to assemble, you know, celebration of international workers' days, and like a coordinating committee to help form, or, form workers' organizations, free union of Iranian workers, whose uh, chairperson is in jail right now and on hunger strike. But we have a few organizations who have been very instrumental in the past 10 years, but they're not like workplace organization. They're organization that help. They're like a workers' action centers that help organize workers. But as I said, the two independent workers' organization in the last 10 years are being oppressed on a daily basis, and they're not recognized by the government, and they're, they're regularly repressed. Also, they are persecuted by their employers as well. Just in the last year, we have seen the imprisonment of many labor activists, such as Reza Shahabi, a leading activist with the Vahed Syndicate of Bus Drivers in Tehran, and also Ismail Abdi, the General Secretary of the Iranian Teachers Trade Association. In terms of these arrests, are these arrests just known to their colleagues, or does the government publicize such arrests to act as a deterrent to the wider uh, working class? These arrests are definitely known to their colleagues, but also they're known to the, uh, to the Iranian labor movement. 
and after each arrest, especially in the last 10 years, we've seen really good uh, dissemination of uh, news and information by labor activists in Iran, and every arrest gets uh, publicized right away. As I said, in the early 80s, we didn't have such phenomenon, and um, we had thousands of labor activists who were killed, and nobody internationally, even inside Iran, were necessarily informed. But so the government, some of the news, some of the news, official newspaper make announcements, but also because it's very clear that every time a non-labor activist, such as Reza Shahabi, Ismail Abdi, Jafar Zimbabwe, any of these non-activists that they get arrested, they know that it's going to have a great impact on the rest of the labor movement uh, when the leading activists are constantly targeted, the livelihood is, uh, you know, under all kind of pressures, they go through tortures and all kind of persecution and harassment. So definitely a part of the government strategy is not only to take them away from the rank and file and the, the connection that they have with rank and file movement, but also to show, uh, use them as examples and look what's going to happen to you. Still on, on the line of this repression, recently there was the case of the public flogging of workers from the Agdara gold mine. Is this a new tactic by the government? So the public flogging being a, a, a very nasty, brutal practice in Iran for years by the Islamic Republic of Iran, not necessarily against protesting workers, but by force people who they would uh, consider as criminals against labor activists and workers. They have tried that a few times in the past. What we think that it's because we see the rate of repression is increasing. We think that the government maybe is trying to make this as widespread as possible. Like 2008, like four or five members of coordinating committee to help for worker organizations, they got sentenced to imprisonment as well as uh, flogging sentences, including two women activists who got um, received lashes. Uh, and again, uh, since then, uh, we've noticed that a couple of other examples that took place, like in 2014, for instance, petrochemical workers who were on a strike, they, uh, four of them got sentenced to receive sentences. Some of these sentences, they become suspended. With 17 Agdara gold mine workers, they carried uh, those sentences against these workers. And that, and that created such great outrage across the, Iran and internationally as well. They went ahead and a few weeks ago issued the same kind type of uh, flogging sentences against buff workers who are mine workers in southwestern Iran. Uh, those sentences have been uh, suspended for the time being, but they've been suspended because the, the court, a part of the court order, if they basically organize any activities again, then they're going to carry those flogging sentences. So quite the international condemnation and condemnation inside Iran still like seems the government seems to be using this as a tactic to pressure and, and also repress them publicly and that's extremely alarming uh, and extremely barbaric and extremely brutal getting now to some of the labor activists who are in jail like for instance um Jaffa Azminzadeh who is the chairperson of the Free Union of Iranian Workers he's now on an extended hunger strike He's not the first person in jail to go on hunger strikes. Now, given that these activists are in prison, are such protests effective in Iran? 
Jafar as in Saudi has been on a hunger strike for April from April 29. So it's right now it's more than 60 days. He, he refusing he's refusing food and medication. Although he's they now transferred into hospital because he's lost consciousness a number of times. His health is rapidly deteriorating. Lots of people internationally have signed statements, including yourself, have uh, called for his freedom, but also have urged him to stop his hunger strike. He's continuously hung his hunger strike, and that's extremely worrisome. In terms of the effectiveness, yes, they're there in prisons, and for prisoners in Iran, especially since because of all these limitations and repression, sometimes hunger strike is one of the only tools remaining for them to use in order to voice their concerns, voice their opposition to what's happening. Sometimes they, have, they come up with specific demands. Sometimes, like for instance, they get, and they get sent to exile to a harsher prison. Sometimes they refuse to provide medical treatment to them and they go on a hunger strike. And they're more effective in that term that uh, sometimes you see that the government authority, the back down and they let them to go to receive the medical treatment, for instance. Or sometimes they give them medical leave in order to receive treatments. In this case, Jafar has issued a number of statements. He's primarily fighting against the national security-related charges that are being used against labor activists and teachers and trade unionists in one constant basis by the government. And he's saying that this kind of, and against him as well, saying that labor activists are exercising the most basic rights and they shouldn't be repressed, they shouldn't be charged with national security related charges, and this must stop. So, and he's called for indefinite hunger strike. It's very worrisome. It already created so much heated discussions and then uh, inside Iran and internationally as well. The news been all over the place. Today, Amnesty International issued uh, an urgent action in support of Jafar Azimzadeh. Uh, so we see lots of international attention and also uh, even within Iranian news um, discussion around his strike and the issues that he's been raising. So definitely there are pros and cons as a tactic for that. But uh, also we have to realize that as labor activists inside Iran, those who are in jail, sometimes hunger strike is the only tactic that they use. They use to uh, gather more international solidarity and support. And, uh, and also bring, um, bring to light the plight of labor activists and workers in Iran. It's a big risk that they're taking. What, as international labor organizations, solidarity organizations, we've been supporting their causes, although we're extremely worried also about their health. As a last question, and really um, looking at the issue of uh, solidarity, there are a number of solidarity groups around the world in support of Iranian workers. What do you think are the most effective actions that labor activists around the world can take to support workers inside Iran? Iran has labor organizing and organization is very low, not because workers they don't want to organize. The moment that you set aside repression, the bloody repression that is happening on a daily basis, you'll see a huge rate of organizing happening, workers' councils, trade unions, and all that. So repression, in addition to poverty, extreme form of poverty and rightlessness and all that, these are this has created a very specific, particular situation, unique situation in Iran, that demands attention internationally by their colleagues and working class in other parts of the world. International solidarity is extremely important. 
for workers moving in Iran. I have to tell you that workers activists in Iran, they always call on their colleagues internationally. They're not calling on the capitalist governments and corporations in different parts of the world to provide support and solidarity. They're asking for labor organizations, left groups, socialist organizations, human rights organizations such as Amnesty International, progressive human rights organizations, you know, uh, solidarity organizations such as your organization, all, all different types of organizations to pay attention to their situation and try to be as supportive in any creative way that they, they can, but also respect the, their demands and also their struggle and also making sure that the relationship, the equitable relationship, respecting uh, self-determination of uh, workers' movement in Iran to be providing a real solidarity, real worker-to-worker solidarity, which is very, very, very important and very crucial for this type of work. So it needs all kind of solidarity actions. We think that um, some of the key uh, elements of should, should be uh, support of the independent labor movement in Iran and be aware of some of the government-sponsored groups. Some of them go to international labor organizations like international labor conferences in the name of workers, such as Islamic Labor Councils, Workers' House. These are all completely created by the Iranian government and they, their primary responsibility is to make sure that there, there are no grievances against the Iranian government and in, any international uh, bodies, including on ILO. So they, we have to be very careful to support independent organizations, such as, such as the ones that I mentioned, like Bus Workers Union, Sugarcane Workers, you know, Free Union of Workers, the real independent activists, and then also to communicate with them. There are different ways that they can communicate with them through social media, through direct contacts, and communicate with organizations such as International Alliance of Other Workers in Iran and, and other organizations who've been around for many years and strengthen progressive anti-capitalist work that happened. Jafar Azimzadeh is a well-known anti-capitalist labor activist, and what he's doing is not just fighting against government repression, he's fighting against capitalist agenda, you know, austerity agenda, repression of workers, right, you know, minimum wages that are above poverty and all that. It needs to be definitely supported, and we think that that would help the overall workers struggle in, in the Middle East as well, progressive labor movements in the area, in the region. Well, Farid, um, thank you very much for a very comprehensive uh, overview and uh, we certainly wish you and all your comrades both inside and outside of Iran all the very best. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Also, thanks to many of the organizations internationally uh, who have been supporting the Iranian labor movement and please continue to do that in any, any way you can. That's right. This is Brother West from the American Empire trying to keep alive the legacy of John Coltrane, Curtis Mayfield, Nina Simone, and I am so glad you are listening to 3CR because 3CR is a force for good. It's telling the truth and allows you both to laugh, not at but with others. Oh, what a grand radio station it is. With just a couple of minutes to go, that was um, Farid Patovi from the International Alliance in Support of Workers in Iran. Now, the update to that is that Jafar Azimzadeh, who on that interview we told was on hunger strike since the 29th of uh, of April, was um, taken to hospital uh, in, um, um, in in very bad conditions. The authorities have actually allowed him to stay in hospital and have actually said that he can stay out of prison until a new retrial happens for him. So 
that's fantastic news and it's really fantastic that all the outside pressure, all the hard work that people like Farid, his group and everyone else has put in has actually got some outcome. But of course, let's not forget there are many other labour activists and workers in um, Iran facing repression. And just in the closing minutes of the show, a few more announcements. Firstly, don't forget Radiothon. Secondly, the ETU community picket at CUB, the Carlton United Brewery in Abbotsford. Get along to that between 12 and 2 o'clock on Monday. And lastly, AAWL has a public meeting on Wednesday the 6th of July, uh, we're redesigning and workshopping, I guess, the anti-repression and free our comrades campaign. So obviously very connected to our story, our feature story for um, this morning. So get along to Trades Hall at 6 o'clock on Wednesday, the 6th of July. We're in the Everett Room to workshop that um, campaign. So that's all from us. Uh, my name is Pierre Morrow. I'm Giselle Hanna. And stay tuned to 3CR Radio, the Palestine Remembered show coming up. And stay tuned to 3CR, your favourite community radio station. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.